from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Welcome to the program. Uh, this is America's probably largest live national town hall. You're welcome to join us if you'd like. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Um, and uh, it's always a pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, one of the very few shows in this time slot, 10 p.m. Eastern, that's live where we take calls. And uh, we're heard across the country. And the big story of the day is a couple, actually. Believe it or not, uh, the, uh, this one has been catching my eye. The United States intel agencies are now saying that the Ukraine was behind the Kremlin drone attacks. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, but the other big story, uh, as of uh, about 6 o'clock or so tonight, Eastern Time, is that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is making me eat crow because he's entered the race for president. I really didn't think that Ron DeSantis was going to announce, make an announcement today. And uh, I'm guessing it also comes on, there's some rumors that are circulating that uh, the Department of Justice is uh, intent on indicting President Trump, I believe in the next couple of days, uh, on some federal charges. So um, it, it seems like the perfect time for DeSantis to try to capitalize on uh, on the misfortune of uh, former President Trump, if that does indeed happen. But DeSantis is in, and unlike many launches, campaign launches, campaign announcements in the past, I would say this is probably the only one that I've ever seen this way. Um, he launched it in an interview that he did with Elon Musk over the phone, broadcast on Twitter. So they had the audio. It's kind of like, a, I guess the easiest way for me to describe it is like a party line where, you know, there's probably a few hundred thousand people on there. And I saw that at one point, the it's called Twitter Spaces, and the Twitter Spaces went down. Uh, so literally, the internet broke because everybody was trying to get in on listening to Ron DeSantis' uh, announcement. And, uh, and I, I'm going to uh, agree or presume that it was a very successful announcement because he raised a million dollars in the first hour after that campaign announcement. Now, of course, after making the announcement on Twitter where you couldn't see him or anything, um, or at least what I saw was you could only hear him, uh, he then went and did a interview on the Fox News channel, and then he did his first radio interview uh, with uh, the great one, Mark Levin. I've got a couple of clips of that audio that I'm gonna bring you because I don't think he's been on radio uh, other than the Mark Levin show. <clears throat> and uh, he had a couple of really interesting things to say. We're gonna get to that, but I want you to hear uh, the DeSantis announcement on Twitter. Check this out. Well, I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback. Look, we know our country's going in the wrong direction. We see it with our eyes and we feel it in our bones. Our southern borders collapse. Drugs are pouring into the country. Our cities are being hollowed out by spiking crime. The federal government's making it harder for the average family to make ends meet and to attain and maintain a middle-class lifestyle. And our president well, he lacks vigor, flounders in the face of our nation's challenges, and he takes his cues from the woke mob. 
I don't think it has to be this way. American decline is not inevitable. It is a choice. And we should choose a new direction, a path that will lead to American revitalization. All right. So that's Ron DeSantis in his campaign announcement. There's a clip of it. Uh, obviously, it was a little bit longer than that. Uh, but you get the gist of it. And I find it interesting. And listen, the support is there, right? This is not criticism. This is just um, uh, an observation that, wow, right? He raised a million bucks following what happened. And I think it's it's uh, interesting that there was no video to go along. I mean, he, made, he did release a campaign video, but um, there was no video along with the live announcement, which I thought was very interesting because, you know, Usually you want to have your supporters there. You want to show that you have this room filled with support or a stadium filled with people or whatever it is, you know, and say, you know, my, you know, um, whatever, my name's so-and-so and I'm running for president. Again, uh, not traditional uh, in many ways. I, we, many would argue that this was very, very clever of him because it was so different, so out of the box that it's forcing the media to cover it, right? A uh, media that may not want to cover it, they're going to have to cover it because it was so unique. It really is a newsmaking item. So- very interesting to see how this was done. Uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the strategy meetings for the campaign to see what their angle was. Um, again, clearly very successful, raising a million dollars. And I think coming into it with $110 million in his war chest already, which is uh, very remarkable. Now, uh, saying that he's running for president and he wants to lead the great American comeback, Ron DeSantis of Florida formally launched his campaign. That's a headline from Fox News. The argument that he makes is that the decline of America is a choice and that it shouldn't be inevitable. And listen, uh, that's what I want to hear, right? That is exactly what I would want to hear. Uh, I don't know that I am convinced of that and not because he's saying it, because I talk about this every day here and I say, you know, I don't know that things get any better or that we come back from some of the things we've been through. I also don't know that there are entirely the end of everything. You know, every day I try to talk myself off the ledge because I know there's a lot of people that are on edge and, and you know, literally um, concerned and figuratively on the ledge where they feel like, oh my gosh, the country's, you know, going to hell in a handbasket. And while many things are, it doesn't mean that the entirety of the country is, you know, when uh, I talk to my children and not because they're my children, but I talk to them and, and I hear things that they're saying and I say, you know what? That's a hopeful future for America. They have good ideas and good energy and, 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 a, and a desire to leave this place better than they inherited it. And I know it's not just my kids that are like that. There's plenty of great kids out there. So I think that, you know, there, there is a lot of hope and promise for America. I also know that, you know, if we look at Joe Biden with a microscope every day, Anybody would get depressed and, and, and want to jump off, off the ledge because obviously uh, the country's in bad shape. Right, I mean, terrible shape. We, we hear that finally they're, they're thinking of um, supporting Ukraine with some weaponry, which again, that's what Trump did initially. Uh, he sent them the, the Javelin missiles and whatnot. It was very different than what the Obama administration did to help them. And now they're talking about uh, F-16s or F-35s or whatever and what have you. And... This comes uh, right before we find out that, yes, in fact, the uh, Ukrainians are now being believed by the United States, our intelligence agencies, to be the responsible party for the attack on the Kremlin with the United States government now saying, look, don't go it alone. 
Don't go bombing the Kremlin. I think that's exactly what you should do, right? That's that's how you get there, bombing you. Why not bomb them back? I don't know. Uh, we're going to get with General Blaine Holt to get to the bottom of that. Plus, we're going to talk more about the DeSantis announcement, your calls and opinions on that as well throughout the evening, as well as the the uh, debt ceiling negotiations. Uh, they're not budging much, but we're going to get the, the scoop on what's happening there. And this is a story I covered a couple, maybe about a year and a half ago, where people are injecting themselves and transfusing the blood of younger people. Older people are taking the blood of younger people, saying that it makes them feel young. And critics are saying, well, how young are you going to go? You want like baby blood into somebody that's like 70 trying to, to really feel rejuvenated? Is this the real fountain of youth? Crazy thing. Interesting article in Newsweek about a year and a half ago, um, which I'll remind you about. But I want to talk to somebody who's... Uh, an expert on peptides, and he's going to explain a little bit why this uh, this may or may not work, and we're going to get his take on that. So very uh, interesting set of guests and interesting set of topics as well as the news of the day that we cover live right here with you guys tonight. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Straight ahead, General Blaine Holt. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. We don't attack Putin or Moscow. Uh, we fight on, on our territory. We are defending our villages and cities. We don't have, you know, enough weapon for this. That's why we don't use it any, anywhere. For, for us, that is the deficit. We, we can't spend it. And we didn't attack Putin. We leave it to tribunal. All right, that is uh, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, and that was May 3rd, two days before Cinco de Mayo, who you know is a national holiday here, and um, President Zelensky saying, uh, we did not attack Putin or Moscow. And now today we find out from U.S. intelligence officials that have intercepted Ukrainian communications in which officials said they believed their country was responsible for the operation without supervision from top officials, including Zelensky or his top deputies. This was reported by the New York Times and is being re-reported by Fox News. And I want to get to the bottom of it from somebody that is the former deputy representative to NATO, United States Air Force, retired Brigadier General Blaine Holt. Welcome, sir. It's great to be with you. And I have to tell you, your accent was perfect. When you oh, my ex, that's Bedania. <laughs> yeah, da, niet. All right, those are all the words I know. And borscht. Okay. So <laughs> I had a Great girlfriend from you. Kazakhstan a little while back, like six or seven years ago. So I learned a few things. But thank you, General. I always appreciate your time. And uh, I love how you're able to um, make, you know, regular people like me in Radio Land understand the crazy here. Because I look at everything politically and I just think this is a scam. That's that. Who's, you know, who are they running game on? And, um, you know, we're hearing all sorts of stories now. We're not going to give them jets. We're not giving them F-35s. We're giving some to Greece. We're doing this. We're doing that. Okay, we're giving them F-16s. Hold on a second. We're going to train them on the F-16s. All right, we're going to let them have it. All of that. So I want to get to that maybe in the next segment. But right now, what is going on with this intercepted uh, 
signals intelligence, I'm going to presume, that it, where the Ukrainians are like, hey, look, we did it, but but Zelensky didn't know. Yeah, it's, you know, in your run-up to the question, I think you nailed it. We, we're, we're on again, off again. We don't know if we're giving the right stuff. We don't know how much money we're paying for it. The administration comes out and says one thing, then does another. Who blew up Nord Stream? Who didn't blow up Nord Stream? So it all boils down to this. When you get a release like you got today on this so-called intercepted communications, well, well the, the military officer and me asked, well, why are we releasing intel like that? If we want to just send a message to the Russians, well, then send the Russians a message. But you're putting it out into the public for some reason. Um, and, and the problem is your credibility is shot. You know, we hear things from the podium every single day in D.C., and and on, on a variety of issues, not just Russia, Ukraine, it could be the border, it could be um, our overly inflated currency. But but the, the problem is the people are just not really believing. It's like, well, maybe maybe the Ukrainians did it. Maybe they didn't do it. Uh, the problem is we'll never know because we just don't believe you. hundred percent. You know, and I was going to ask you to put your Dr. Phil hat on for a second to help me with this, because <laughs> this is really an issue I have where I don't like Putin. I don't like communists. And and I have I call them pro Putin patriots, right? People that love America, but they're so incredibly pro Putin. And some of them is because they're just independent thinkers. And they're like, look, he's not as bad as that. He's been out made out to be. And I could I could um, respect their opinion on that. But others are people that are falling victim to the propaganda. You know, it's my belief, and you don't have to, you know, get in on all of this. But if you want to, you can. I believe the Russians—they—they're great at creating propaganda and division and strife in other countries, i.e., this one, where they'll send things to 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 rile up BLM right across the street from from um, you know some white supremacists or whatever, and get them to go at one another. And, and then release a statement or do an interview on state TV saying, you know, we don't have these problems in, in Russia. You know, Putin I'm talking about now. He's like, we don't have these problems. Sure. It's the Americans that go killing themselves. They can't <laughs> even keep their neighborhood safe and blah, blah, blah. Right. He creates these problems here to then go ahead and make it look like he's some sort of shining white knight, emphasis on white, and, and, and say that, you know, we're, we're some sort of crazy people here uh, because he's putting his eyeball on the crazy. And and then I'm I'm at odds with people calling into the show and people in my circle that are telling me, you know, Putin's just really not that bad. You know, I, if I had to choose between Putin and, and Biden, shoot, I'm picking Putin. And I'm like, no. And then if I say, look, I don't like Putin and I don't like Zelensky either, you know, and guess what? I don't even like Biden, but I love America. And then, then they're yeah. like, no, no, you're, you're pro-Nazi. <laughs> how, how did I become right. pro-Nazi? <laughs> I know. So, I you know, know talk, talk me off the ledge, General. I, I'm going to the, the I'll talk us both off the ledge, actually, because I'm right <laughs> here with you. You. Um, you. you know, the American people are more complicated and smarter than the mainstream media gives credit for. So the mainstream media wants you into two cattle pens. You're either going to be into what they're anointing you to believe, which is all things Ukraine, all things Western, all things EU are good and free and, and the best. And we all must now place our solemn loyalty into this bucket. And then we should all know that this other pen is the Russians and they're bad and everything they do is bad. And it's just completely bad. And it's clearly a case of one versus the other, good versus evil. And I'm here to tell you that there's no war that's ever been fought that's like that. And this one certainly is, is a very, it's a big mess. Um, look, Vladimir Putin's a bad man uh, and has had absolutely zero problems with not getting his way with adherence to the Minsk Accords. That was his initial gripe. But 
But even before then, he didn't like the color revolution and took Crimea. Well, here he is killing innocents, uh, raping, abducting children, uh, destroying a country. So saying that, well, Vlad's not so bad, ah, you really want to check the facts on that. And then the other part of yeah. it is, yeah, is Ukraine the sterling white knight on a horse who's there to save the world? No. But I think that Americans, uh, we can all put our equities behind a people that are being torn apart, destroyed, everything they ever worked for being vaporized in a hot war zone. And it's now in Europe. And we all remember our grandparents and our parents who fought in that great war. And we, we, we wonder and we marvel, is this coming here? Is this going to be part of this? And we quickly cast aside, you need to pull for this team or you need to pull for that team. That's ridiculous. It's the same. It's just as ridiculous to say that if I want to, I want more accountability in the money that we're spending and what our strategy is and how we're spending our money, that somehow that means that I'm not with the Ukrainian people. That's ridiculous. I actually help advise <laughs> certain Ukrainian officials on how we can have a better war plan and a strategy. And, and I'm routinely interviewed in the Ukrainian press. And so there's nothing wrong with an American who says, but I want to hear the whole story. Tell me why we should be supporting this. Tell me what's at stake. Tell me where these dollars are going and why it has to be so many or why we have to endure this sacrifice. They won't do that. And if they won't do that, it gets back to the credibility thing. Why? Why won't you do that? Yeah, exactly. These are the questions that I have. And and I feel like um, you're, what you said was really spot on. And that's why we bring you on, because you really call it like <laughs> it is, uh, that you said, you know, we just don't believe you. And of course, I just read, I don't know, this is probably 500 words, this article, maybe a little more. Um, U.S. officials, U.S. officials, U.S. officials. That's it. That's all I got. There's yeah. so many of them. Can you right. give me one name? N nothing. Right. This type of reporting right. is, this is Fox News. Now, of course, they're citing the article from the New York Times, which ran with the story of, according to U.S. officials. Uh, but um, that's crap. Uh, you know, how do you live with this? It is like crap. This, it is right? crap. this yeah. is well, third world and, nonsense. And, right. And, and go away, peasant. Why are you asking questions? How dare you? And then it's, it's starting to get even worse because now they want to say, if you question this stuff, we're going to brand you a misinformation type person, or we're going to make you uh, call you an extremist if you don't um, toe this line. And that gets right to our constitutional first right. And we're never going to yield on it. And, and I, it's not even that I, I would urge all Americans to protect their First Amendment rights. Who has to do that? We're going to. We're Americans. We are inherently curious and suspicious of our government. And by the way, we're self-governed. <laughs> Amen that. to that. Don't go anywhere, General. We're coming right back. Folks, we're on with General Blaine Holt. You know him from Newsmax TV. He's got a lot of other things going on. We're going to plug those on the way back. Don't go anywhere. And if you have a call or a question, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. We're coming right back. Don't move a muscle. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
is night. This is Rich Valdez. What's up, America? Welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. I'm here with General Blaine Holt. And again, we're going to be getting to more news on the announcement of uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announcing for president of the United States. Um, We'll be uh, getting to that throughout the evening and continuing to update you on that on that how that goes. But I wanted to um, circle back with what we were just talking about on the Ukraine and what's going on in general with foreign policy and what's up with these F-16s, General? Yeah, so that's a very complicated issue. At at the surface, I have to think that just announcing the F-16s was meant as something to get Russia's attention uh, and maybe get them to some sort of table to even talk about this. I think that they're willing to have that sit down talk, but, but, you know, for, for listeners, the F-16 um, that lead time to get that thing into the fight with some sort of command and control that we don't normally use um, with with where is it going to take off all those details in the training? It's not going to be in the fight right away. So so, OK, uh, have the debate. But but that's not going to affect the tactical battle on the ground. And, you know, my question is, if it takes a minimum of nine to 12 months, are we even going to have a war by that time? Um, or will the Russians say, oh, my gosh, an F-16, we better straighten up and let's start talking about this. That that does not appear to be their posture at this at this juncture. Right, let me remind everybody, General, that in addition to your work with RestoreLiberty.org and in addition to your work with Newsmax Television, you also are a retired general in the United States Air Force, uh, a pilot yourself. So when you're giving us this information about the F-16s and the lead time and how to get here, there, X, Y, and Z, uh, you're talking from your experience uh, on the ground, or I should say in the air. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm mostly heavy jets. I flew fast movers when I, I was teaching in T-38s, but the Belgians, when I was a staff college student there, were nice enough to give me five hours of F-16 time under the watchful gaze of an instructor, and I, I loved it. But what I can say about the F-16, while it's just a dream machine, it is, it's not that hard to fly. And, um, and I would think that the Ukrainian pilots, the accomplished MiG pilots, would a- adapt to it very, very quickly. The problem is, the weapon system itself is very complicated, and it does take time to learn. And then there's language barriers. There's maintenance training that has to go on for those crews. Um, and again, back to the just the logistics, where will we support it from? The F-16 needs a clean runway. Will it be from another NATO country? Will that then make the NATO country a combatant? And again, right. all these questions could be Do answered. Do we give them an aircraft carrier? Right, all that. <laughs> they should be answered. But they, that's the whole point is in these press conferences, ask these questions. They're legitimate questions. We, it's our F-16, the American people's F-16, or it's going to be some NATO countries' F-16s. But, but we deserve to understand what this means. And before they said, no, no jets, it's going to escalate things. Okay, what's changed? Tell us. Um, because we're fighting this war in our name and with our money. Uh, and with some of our people who have volunteered to go over there as contract, we'd like to know more about what it is we're trying to achieve with the resources and, and what this brings to bear. Um, and, and I don't think that those questions get answered. I think that's very troubling, especially when we see what's happening on the ground. You've got the Chinese who just came in to try to broker a deal. They went uh, apparently away hat in hand and could not get that done. Um, you've got this incursion into Belgorod, which you know, uh, Zelensky had said, oh, we're not going into Russian proper, but here we have 
this group, and they're now saying uh, there's several stories across the web that says, oh, there were American weapons involved. Okay, sounds like an investigation to me because what we need is the transparency because these are very dangerous topics. And then is is the fall of Bakhmut going to lead to a Russian army that has a clear path to Kiev? Um, so what are we what are we hoping to get done here? Because um, one year later, we, it looks a lot like World War One. It doesn't look like um, that we've given the resources to compel the Russians to leave Ukraine. Yeah. Now, and, and these are all really valid points. Uh, three points I want to bring up. Number one, this is my ADHD and curiosity about to kill the cat. <laughs> uh, of, of the thousands of hours you've spent in the air, is the F-16 the most badass jet you've flown? Uh, well, from uh, a fighting perspective, like I can go lay a herd on you air to air or air to ground. Uh, it's, it's a nice bomb truck. It's a good dogfighter. Uh, mm-hmm. The pilots who have flown it have sworn by it. But uh, my pride and joy is the C-17. <laughs> I'm a heavy guy, and uh, yeah. I'm the 80th pilot on the C-17, and that's the Millennium Falcon, and uh, there's so many things it can do. Not appropriate for this war, of course, but to bring the bacon, beans, and bullets, absolutely it's been used here several times. But the F-16 is a very formidable airplane. Cool. Now let's go to the logistics stuff. Um, so it, from your assessment, does Ukraine have the logistical capacity in, on their runways and, and their airports and their military bases um, to to facilitate what, what you're talking about between maintenance and, and the runway space necessary for the F-16? At this time, they do. It will take some support. I do know of groups on the ground in Ukraine that are working projects to make that a possibility. So that that's a doable do. The problem is... <laughs> It is a military target once that stuff gets stood up. And so um, do we then see a barrage of missiles going after, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of infrastructure that just got put down to uh, host an F-16 unit? So, again, how will you defend? Wouldn't you do that? Well, I I would work with air defense uh, systems like Patriot. If you were Putin, wouldn't you take that out? I would. Oh, absolutely. It's a legitimate military target. That's my concern is... Right. If S-16 launches from another NATO country, does that then get us into a, a bigger fight? Well, let's just say, for example, the F-16s were taking out out of uh, Poland. Well, first off, if they do that, they're going to need tanker support. Where's that coming from? Is that going to be a Ukraine tanker? They don't have one. Is it going to be a Ukraine crew that refuels that jet? They don't have one. But wait a minute. It took off from Poland. So is the Polish base now a legitimate military target? Um, the Russians will see it that way. Um, and so, again, these are things that, OK, fine, you want to give F-16s. How are you giving F-16s while sticking to your original goal of keeping NATO and U.S. forces out of the fight? Um, what, what's your plan? Because it doesn't right. look like those questions uh-huh. are being answered. Yeah. And that, that's really my question, too. And maybe if you can shed some light. Maybe you don't know. I, I know I don't know. Uh, I don't know how we got to this point. And do you know, are we still doing this brokering deal where we're giving them to, to Poland and Poland's going to swap them out for MiGs or something like that? Or is this a direct deal where we're like, we're going to give these to Ukraine as part of our aid and uh, screw the Russians? I'm adding screw well, the Russians because that's how they're going to yeah. see it. Yeah, but it's unclear. I, I think at first blush, the statements out of the administration that we've seen is we give permission for F-16s to go from a NATO country to uh, the Ukrainians. And the idea would be then, OK, um, they have permission. So let's say Poland or Belgium gave their 
S-16 fleet over to the uh, Ukrainians, the idea would be that then they would go buy and refill their own stocks with F-35s. Now, who does that make very happy? Well, it certainly makes the defense industrial base in this country extremely yeah. happy. But um, but that's kind of what I understand is the scheme. The The other thing is when we talk about accelerators, if you really are going to do this, oh, gosh, get the jet into the fight right away. Well, then do you then instead of Ukraine pilots say, OK, well, let's open it up to contract pilots with S-16 experience like we did in World War II with the Flying Tigers? Uh, they didn't initially take commissions in the U.S. military. Claire Chennault, Pabby Boynton, they all went off and flew for the Chinese Air Force until the United States came into the war. But there it is. And that's why I brought this example up. What happened? The United States came into the war. So are we looking at the precursor to a NATO country or the United States coming into this war? Um, and, and, and OK, I, I'm not sure we're going to do that or not going to do that. But how much diplomacy have we seen come out of our State Department towards ending this war in the last 14 months? I'm going to argue very little. I'm going to say any. none. Yeah, right. None is, none is the right answer some, here. And they don't do any. They're not even trying. Like Lincoln's useless. Hey, Russia, let's have a talk. That would, that would be where we would start that. Right, right. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, we're going to pause right here. We're coming back with General Blaine Holt. Uh, I have a couple of more questions on this. Plus, I want to get his take on a couple of other uh, uh, national items. If you have a question for us, I haven't even checked to see what's going on there, but I will get to your calls momentarily. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Rich Valdez, who again will do a fine job, and I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And we're on with General Blaine Holt. He's from RestoreLiberty.org. You've seen him on Newsmax TV, and he's uh, on Twitter at the irascible. Um, the Irascible Disruptors, this column on Newsmax.com. Definitely check it out. Always some great insight. And uh, General, my, um, I guess I wanted you to put your, um, your clairvoyant hat on now and just, uh, you know, how do you see this unfolding? You know, you've got a, a lot of wisdom that you've gained over the years and you, and you have a lot of on-ground know-how. Do you see this becoming a thing where the U.S. gets in? I, I know you're saying it seems like the writing is on the wall, but uh, do you see that happening or do you think this is just some posturing? Uh, maybe Biden's trying to look a little stronger to get better numbers since he's not doing great. What say you? Well, it's a possibility that the, the Chinese and the Russians together are going to compel um, President Zelensky to some sort of negotiation table. Um, if, if we see that the logistic support that the, uh, that the Ukrainian army needs to get on this counteroffensive doesn't materialize. You know, in military operations, if you're on defense, it's one thing. But if you go on a on an offensive strike, you actually consume logistics at three times the rate. And they're they're saying uh, their intel uh, chief today, General Budinov, said we we, we need more. Well, um, we're sailing through seasons here and you can see where the Russians are going to intensify their attacks to soften the will of the Ukrainian people towards some sort of deal, especially if they don't see progress. Uh, what I'm concerned with is 
we in the West are looking at potentially getting involved in a war in Europe. We're not we're not watching this other flank that's materializing in Asia. China is on the move against us right now in a very aggressive way. Um, you know, Microsoft, not DHS, Microsoft is alerting us to uh, a cyber attack that's underway right now as we speak yeah. by their... And we saw Twitter fail group. during the DeSantis yes. announcement. I don't know if that's related, but it was interesting how it looked like he broke it, the internet. Very possible. The Vault Typhoon Group, which is run by the CCP and the PLA, um, has attacks going on right now against our infrastructure, and they are in progress. And so this is on the same day that we're we're welcoming the Chinese ambassador who did not even present his credentials, did not even come straight to D.C., did a little presser uh, in another city. Um, do you know what would is happen? Is he the if, hacker? Um, is, is the ambassador no. that's visiting the hacker? Okay. Just checking. No, but he's certainly on the same team. And, and, and then if you think about the reciprocity, do you think you could pull that off if you were the ambassador from the United States going to China? What about trying to buy some of their farmland? Uh, or just walk into the border and start selling drugs to everybody because that's what they do in our country every single day with fentanyl, killing hundreds of thousands. And so if, we, if we're focused on Ukraine, and China's delighted because they see Russia and the United States and Europe weakening themselves over this military war, uh, while China's just sharpening its knife. Uh, and, and they're showing every day this propensity towards aggression. And yet here we are, hat in hand, uh, many Americans will be attending the World Economic Forum's what they call Summer Davos seminar um, in Beijing, hosted by Xi Jinping. And they're going to discuss uh, central bank digital currency and how we might all just do better on that system, which uh, I think if there's if, if, if that won't wake you up, <laughs> I don't know what's going to wake you up then. General Blaine Holt, th these are huge concerns for, for this audience, for me. Uh, we bring them up every now and again, this uh, CBDC and how they try, they're making this effort to replace the dollar with the currency where uh, ultimately Big Brother's watching and, and there's total control. And to me, that, that sounds the alarm. I think, oh my gosh, not good, no bueno. But uh, it seems like there's such a... Uh, a high degree of traction with so many bureaucrats and some on the left and, and others that are just kind of wishy-washy in between asleep, whatever, what have you. And, and I think, do we escape this or is this a natural part of the progression of our Republic where we're supposed to be in this new digital age where the government rules? I say no, but what do you think? No, this is the, <laughs> I've, I've talked to actually people who would, term themselves a global elite. Uh, and um, and, and this is something they have in common, all of them, I believe. They don't know the American people. They, they don't even know who we are. They don't know why we attend football games on Friday nights, why it's important to go to church on Sunday or be with your community. They, they have no idea what are the buttons that get the Americans to, to actually wake up and take action. And, uh, and they're, they're making some grievous mistakes. No, we're not going to surrender our liberty. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they won't try. Um, we see every day an administration that's doggedly determined to look beyond our Constitution, usurp us, usurp our freedoms, uh, whether it's the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, uh, our due process rights. Um, they don't care. They absolutely don't care. And, and we're also not impressed with the so-called good guys who are having lots of hearings. Uh, but we don't see anybody indicted and nobody's going to jail. And let's not talk about impeachment because that's just too harsh a word. 
even though the mm. last president endured all of that and had some pretty right. effective foreign policy going at the exact same time. Unbelievable. So China's um, practicing their unrestricted warfare against the United States. The United States is just sitting here taking it on the chin, and we're looking at potential global conflicts on two fronts, and uh, the economy's a mess, and we can't even figure out the debt limit. Oh, but don't leave out the middle. Don't leave out the Middle East and Africa. You couldn't possibly, because <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're uh, also you're looking at an Israel, uh, our ally, that is absolutely isolated, looking at a war right now with Hezbollah that will have Syrian and Russian backing, and now with the new reproachment that China worked out, the uh, Saudis will do nothing. The the UAE will do nothing. So Israel is going kind of going it alone right now, and they may be at the brink of a really big war. And and then let's not forget old Northern Africa because uh, they're in this thing too. We're seeing the civil war in Sudan. We're seeing pressure on Egypt's borders from Libya, wow. um, Eritrea, and and it's and and so we're looking at a world that has something missing. What is that thing? Oh, it's American leadership. <laughs> it's not there. And uh, that's why we're in trouble. And what we have General, to do is, go ahead. Hang on right there. I want to come back. I want to make sure you get a chance to plug all the work that you're doing. We just have to take a pause because I've got the producers in my ear. Folks, we're on with General Blaine Holt and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. All right. While the United States cyber infrastructure is under attack by Volt Typhoon, we're here discussing it with uh, retired General Blaine Holt from Restore Liberty. General Holt, we got a minute to you. Wrap it up and let us know how everybody could keep up with the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. Uh, all I would say is watch these threats and take them very seriously and, and really dive into your communities for support and bring them together. Uh, for me, I can always be found at restore-liberty.org. We would love for you to come check us out. Whether you're red, blue, up, down, there's a home for you there if you love our Constitution and our liberty. I'm at the Irascible Disruptor at Newsmax. It's my blog. I publish weekly there. And then I'm always at Twitter on the, uh, the underscore Irascible. Uh, and I just greatly appreciate all of the support of your listeners. And it's always a pleasure to have these discussions with you, Rich. Absolutely, sir. Thank you. It's always a pleasure as well. I could probably do another hour just on these um, these threat actors that are attacking Microsoft and you know, Microsoft releasing a statement saying, well, they're not trying to compromise us more than they are. They don't want to disrupt. They're just really continuing to conduct their espionage. This is Microsoft saying this. So um, we're, we're in bad shape. <laughs> and, and where's Joe yep. Biden and all this? Anyway, General, thank right. you. I appreciate it. Uh, folks, more to come straight ahead. 833-482-5337 is our number. We're going to continue our discussions in the next hour in, in just a couple of minutes. And before we do, I just want to give you an idea of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the debt ceiling, another mess that we've got. Uh, we're going to discuss that with um, Joel Griffith. He's from Heritage. And we're going to find out what's going on with these budget trends and why we are having these problems that we're having. And hopefully that we're somewhat closer to getting a resolution between McCarthy and Biden, plus a couple of other things that are on the agenda. And old people 
transfusing themselves with younger blood. Sounds crazy, but it's actually happening. We're going to talk about that as well at the bottom of the next hour. Don't go anywhere. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I'm happy to be here with you guys on this late-night uh, town hall forum. If you want to give us a call, feel free. You're welcome to join us, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And the internet was broken for a little while and obviously because of uh, the traffic on Twitter, but not so obviously because Microsoft has been issuing warnings all day saying that the Chinese hackers that are inside the United, uh, United States are hacking and attacking the United States uh, cyber infrastructure. And uh, they, they're now compromising critical cyber infrastructure in a variety of industries, including government, communications organizations, and others. The hacking group is named Volt Typhoon, and they've been in operation since 2001. And interestingly, the U.S. intelligence agencies have known that the hacking group has been targeting the United States since the time that the Chinese spy balloon was flying over military installations here in the United States. So we'll get to that a little bit more in depth in the next hour. I also want to bring your attention to some breaking news from uh, about four or five hours ago now. Uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, announcing his campaign on Twitter and uh, saying that it's time to get back to American leadership and he wants to lead that comeback. He gave his exclusive first radio interview to the great one, Mark Levin, and he explained that as president, he knows exactly what powers he has under Article 2 of the Constitution. As governor, I studied all the authorities that I possess constitutionally, statutorily, customary policies. I knew what I needed the legislature for, what I didn't, local government vis-a-vis -vis me, and the same thing would apply to the presidency. You understand Article II powers. You understand where your leverage points are. You understand your statutory authority. You also have to be willing to assert the true scope of Article II powers. And I think a lot of our presidents have not been willing to do that, for example, vis-a-vis -vis the administrative state. That's Governor DeSantis and his announcement and his follow-up with a radio interview with Mark Levin. Now, we also have Karine Jean-Pierre at the White House discussing the current situation, right? Saying that it's a manufactured crisis and they're trying to hold the United States hostage. This, uh, I think, is problematic. 
But again, it's being echoed by House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, who at a press conference today says that the Republicans want to crash the economy and trigger a recession because Biden won't capitulate to the budget, uh, the spending cuts that McCarthy's put forward. Listen to Hakeem Jeffries. House Republicans are determined to either extract deep, painful cuts that will hurt the health, the safety, or the well-being of everyday Americans, or crash the economy, default on our debt, and trigger a painful recession. Now, the only thing triggering a painful recession, in my opinion, is the massive spending that the Biden administration has overseen, and now they're trying to um, shift the blame over to the Republicans. But don't take my word for it. We're going to get with an expert. Joe Griffith is a fellow at the Thomas Rowe Institute for Economic Policy Studies at the Heritage Foundation, and he's our guest. Joe Griffith, welcome to the program. Hey, good evening. Thanks for having me tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. So when you hear this rhetoric coming out of Washington, you hear the House Minority Leader playing politics on an issue that is of a significant import. What What is your reaction to Hakeem Jeffries saying that it's Republicans that are trying to crash the economy? Well, I, the economy is crashing already um, for, for regular folks, and that's because of the massive spending and printing that we've seen going back not just through the Biden era, but going back to the end of President Trump's uh, presidency. We spent With trillions of dollars spending. we didn't have. Well, we can call it COVID spending, but uh, what we know is that printing and spending that money – um, allowed these shutdowns to perpetuate. These shutdowns, that of course, should have never have occurred. It allowed that to happen, and now we're paying the consequences. Everybody loved seeing those stimulus checks. Most of us received those in their checking accounts automatically. Well, now we're paying for it. It created so much economic distortion, and now President Biden is trying to lock in place those elevated spending levels into perpetuity. We simply cannot afford it, and that's one of the big takeaways when you look at the situation where he in on the budget, if you look at what Republicans are proposing, it's it's not really any big spending cuts. It simply rolls it back by about one year. And we still end up with annual spending that is higher than what the CBO projected for next year. Just a few years ago, we're still at higher spending levels relative to where we would have been had we not seen that surge in COVID spending. The Republican plan is just a, a modest attempt to diminish the rate of growth going forward. And the Democrats want even more. We cannot afford it. So, uh, yeah, Speaker uh, uh, House Minority Leader uh, Jeffries is um, not just mistaken, but he's actually lying to us when he says that. Now, looking at a situation like this, and besides the the politics and all the rhetoric, um, it, it seems to me that, and I, I think a lot of people don't agree with me, but I'd love to get your take on this. Uh, I feel that McCarthy has been out there. He's gotten the, the what he got passed in the House, and I feel like he's done his job thus far. It's Biden that's saying, you know, no dice, we're not playing, at least. But I see it that way, and I realize I may be a biased observer. So um, is it your opinion that Republicans have the upper hand in these negotiations? Well, without a doubt, the Republicans have been making overtures now to President Biden for weeks. Well, President Biden has been gallivanting across the globe. And if you look at the proposals the Republicans have made, they meet him far more than halfway. 
no real long-term spending reforms are even in that Republican proposal. So it's uh, simply a misnomer um, that, uh, that, that Republicans have not been working to negotiate with the president um, uh, on this. Now, as far as the upper hand, uh, well, the Congress does have the power of the purse. That is uh, their constitutional prerogative. And I think that's why it's very important that uh, Congress stands firm on this debt limit. President Biden does not have the power to raise this debt limit or to, to, to uh, issue more borrowing on his own. He needs congressional approval to do so. And I believe that fiscal conservatives in the House and the Senate should stand firm and do their best to have dollar-for-dollar spending cuts for every dollar that the debt limit is increased. But you see, Joe Griffith, what happens here is um, the White House press secretary, KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre, she says that this is a manufactured crisis, right? There, there is no problem. And then Jeffrey says, well, the only problem that's going to happen is that they're driving us to, to this economic collapse. And, and I just, uh, as much as I see that, and I laugh at it too, and I think, come on, that's just not the case. Uh, I think there's, there's um, it goes without saying that they do have some leverage, more leverage than, than any Republican would have uh, in the media. And Ultimately, they have, I feel like they have the bully pulpit where they can get this message across and potentially fool a lot of Americans into thinking that Republicans triggered a recession by not willing, being willing to work with President Biden. Well, the, the fact is that American families have now experienced a nearly 24 straight months of year over year real income decline. And the fact is that last year we actually saw two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. American families right now are suffering to an extent that most have not experienced in their lifetimes. That's because real incomes for families are down around $7,000 per year for the typical family. And that's not even taking into account the higher borrowing costs and the much, much higher housing costs. Uh, so American families are already in a world of hurt. Uh, the Federal Reserve is already uh, seeing a recession on the horizon for later this year, or early 2024. So, of course, those on the left are going to try to use that incoming recession. They're going to try to blame that on this debt impasse. But this debt impasse is not the cause of the economic problems. The economic problems are caused by the spending of the past administration and by the current administration making it even Worse. And look, the real the real issue here with the debt is not even the current battle over the debt ceiling. The real issue is that going forward over the next decade, we are going to see an exponential increase in our total debt and in our total spending if changes are not made. And what I fear uh, that what we saw over the past few years with the Federal Reserve printing trillions to pay for the so-called COVID spending you're going to see that happen once again because there simply will not be an appetite on the part of investors to buy up government debt that is paying less than the inflation rate. So our central bank is going to be forced to print the trillions of dollars. And if we didn't like the inflation that we've experienced over the past two years of 7 to 9% per year inflation, we're certainly not going to like those types of inflation rates that, are, that may occur on an annual basis for decades into the future if these spending reforms are not are, are not uh, c- completed. Unreal. And, and I think this is why um, I agree with you that the, not even the fiscal concern, anybody who has a vote in Congress, anybody at all, they need to, I think, get behind these, uh, in my opinion, very modest uh, requests that McCarthy's put in place, these, you know, one or one and a half percent um, 
uh, spending uh, caps because it only makes sense. And trying to get things to that 2019 level would be ideal. Folks, we are on with Joel Griffith, Heritage Foundation fellow. We're discussing the debt ceiling negotiations. And there's a couple of more questions that I have. Of course, if you have a question for him, he's with us for one more segment. 866-505-4626 is the legacy number. Give us a call, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. not going to default. We're going to solve this problem. I will stay with it until we can get it done. But let's be honest about this. We have to spend less than we spent last year. It is not my fault that the Democrats cannot give up on their spending. (laughs) McCarthy literally sounds like the adult in the room. (laughs) Speaker McCarthy there explaining how uh, the White House and Congress are on opposite sides here and very far apart. And uh, honing in on Congress's, uh, excuse me, the White House's um, desire to spend. So our guest is uh, sticking around with us. We thank you for staying up late with us, Joel Griffith from uh, Heritage. Now, tell us a little bit about your thought on how how you think the White House actually comes around, or do they at all? Um, yeah. It- they they really I, let me back up for a second here. Sure. I am uh, actually a, a, a bit fearful that President Biden may actually do what he is threatening, and what he's Triggering doing right now is he's threatening. You know, he's threatening to actually violate the Constitution and issue debt on his own without congressional approval. That would create a constitutional crisis, crisis. and he's relying on Article fourteen of the Constitution, which says that the debts of the United States shall not be questioned. Now, what that means, uh, and he should know this as a lawyer, uh, even though he did go to school some decades ago, this is basic constitutional law. That simply means that the United States government will be good on the debt that it has acquired, that it will pay the principal, will pay the interest. You, can't, you cannot question that. What that does not give the president the right to do is just to choose to add to the nation's debt burden. That, by our founders, is a responsibility only given to the United States Congress. And he may choose to actually run roughshod over the Constitution, and he has indeed suggested that this is something that he is considering. So that, that should be a, something that's very troubling to, to all of us if we believe in living in a constitutional republic. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think uh, Biden would be, uh, and, and you know, he, he flirted with the idea, then he kind of walked it back, then Janet Yellen said we can't, then he kind of came back out and said, but I think we can. <laughs> and, and I think, oh my goodness, you know, the the, uh, the idea of separation of powers just doesn't exist in this White House. 
Yeah. And look, when we're talking about the budget, I know a lot of it, it's hard to think about all these numbers, especially late at night. But let's remember what's going on here. The proposal the Republicans have brought forward would not even adjust the entitlement spending that constitutes about half of the federal budget. All they simply are wanting to do is roll back discretionary spending levels. Discretionary spending are things outside of Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Discretionary spending is the, the federal agencies, the national defense, and some of the welfare programs. That constitutes about one half of the federal budget. That component of the federal budget soared from 2019 to 2023, soared to the tune of around 25%. All this would do is shrink it by about one and a half percentage points. That's all it would do, and then grow it going forward by 1% a year. And I just find it astounding that after all this explosion in government spending, and of course, I know they blame it on COVID, but they've kept those spending levels very close to those peak points during COVID. That's what President Biden seems to be willing to risk a default on. It's preposterous. I agree with you. Folks, we're on with Joel Griffith, uh, research fellow at the Thomas Rowe Institute for Economic Policy Studies uh, within the Heritage Foundation. Joel Griffith, uh, let everybody know how they can follow you on social media and keep up to speed with all the work that you're doing. Sure. You can find me at heritage.org um, and also on Twitter at Joel Griffith. Easy enough, right? I got one of those too, where it's simple. It's my name. Uh, check them out at Joel Griffith. That's with two F's. And uh, Joel, I want to thank you for being with us and helping make some sense of what's going on. Uh, hopefully this will, will turn the tide soon enough and we won't take it down to the wire. But if we do, we do, right? And it gives us more to talk about on radio and more reasons to, um, <laughs> to make a, a change at the ballot box and get rid of uh, Biden eventually. But thank you, Joel. I appreciate it and hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Talk soon. You bet. All right, folks, straight ahead. I want to revisit a topic that I've addressed on my podcast. This is America. Um, my podcast, This is America, you can get that wherever you get podcasts. And it's different. It's distinct. It's not the same as this show. It's only one hour in length, uh, more like 45 or 47 minutes four segments. We kind of hit hard on commentary. Doesn't usually include any interviews, just my thoughts on some uh, some of the topics and some of the topics we don't get to cover on the radio. So make sure you check out This Is America with Rich Valdez on any of the podcast platforms. And of course, check out the podcast for America at Night if you missed any of the interviews on this show. These conversations that we have with folks that I've either met through my travels in government or some of the work I do on TV or people I'm meeting for the first time, like you know some of the authors or newsmakers of the day, these conversations are, are really not because I'm having them, but because of the people who, who are, I'm having them with have such tremendous expertise. And I think they're worth listening to sometimes twice and sharing with people. So if you want to do that, you can go right ahead and do that. RichValdezAmericaAtNight.com is the website for the podcast, for replays. You can see everything, all the archived episodes there as well. And uh, straight ahead, this topic that I addressed on my podcast was, can the blood of young people slow your aging? Well, there's a lot that say it can. We're going to find out more straight ahead. Don't move a muscle.
is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. Our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And as I mentioned earlier, we um, want to follow up on a topic that we discussed a couple of years ago, right? Newsweek had put out an article titled, Can the Blood from Young People Slow Aging? Suggesting that Silicon Valley has bet billions that it will. That was back in April of 2021. And uh, shortly before that, Bloomberg had issued um, uh, a report stating that the FDA was warning against this. Listen to this. And most of this stems from the Griffles, right? Now, Griffles is a Spanish company that helped uh, to set off this whole confusion when uh, there was a, a, a trial and Brigham Young University in Idaho had to threaten some enterprising students with suspension to keep them from intentionally trying to get COVID-19 so that they could go ahead and, and not do this uh, or do the, the experiment with the plasma of young volunteers. <laughs> and it's just crazy. But ultimately, uh, Stanford was involved in a... Um, in, in graduating the students, excuse me, that started this company. And uh, it's a $146 million deal where they got into this. Well, now fast forward a couple of years and you've got a whole new angle on this same story. Now it's a tech mogul, right? Uh, this um, tech mogul is now trying to hack bioscience by injecting the blood of his 17-year-old son as part of his latest attempt to reverse aging. Now, this is kind of crazy, I think, but uh, I want to get to the bottom of it. So we've brought in Lauriston Crockett, right? He's, uh, he's an expert on health and longevity and peptides in particular. Uh, he wrote the book, Peptides Are Life. Lauriston Crockett, welcome to the program. Hey, it's great to be with you. Thank you, sir. So uh, we're, we're kind of all over the place here with this topic where some people love it. They think this is the best thing ever. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the transfusions of, of young blood. People saying, you know, the, the some scientists are saying diseases like heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's and arthritis might benefit. Um, others are saying, you know, we saw the benefit of, of using um, certain blood transfusions during covid uh, and trying to make that correlation. And uh, I think it's kind of crazy, right? I mean, on its face, it may make sense, you know, as like in a snake oil kind of way, but I don't think it makes a ton of sense. Um, um, I don't think blood gets old, but you tell us, does it? Well, I think they're going about it totally in the wrong way. I mean, let's go back in history, um, back in, um, Right around between 1585 and 1610, there was a lady by the name of Elizabeth Barthory who actually killed over 650 virgins and bathed in their blood because she thought she could keep her beauty. Um, you know what I mean? But we go mm -hmm. back to the study right here on this article that came out, and they're talking about that they were doing something this. But this is nothing new. Back in 1864, basically 150 years ago, Paul Burt is the one who's credited with parobibosis, and this is basically taking the blood of a younger 
um, host into an older host to be able to rejuvenate on the Sayer level with the blood. So this is really nothing new. They just don't go back and study their history. So what's your, your take on this billionaire? Is he going to find the same results people have found in the past? Uh, is this more snake oil or is there a new twist on it? Well, like I said, I believe they're going about it in the wrong way. You have to understand that Let's talk about the human body. The human body, the average human body has 37.2 trillion cells. Every cell in the body has a peptide. The body communicates through peptide bonding, peptide signaling through natural peptide growth factors. So he's taking blood and he's very, very excited about his son's plasma. Now, plasma is 90% salt, 10% protein electrolytes, which again has peptides and antibodies in it. So again, He's trying to get something very eccentric where basically the bottom line is it all leads back to, to peptides, not what he's actually doing here, in my opinion. Okay. I feel like I need to go and take a class in chemistry to, to understand everything you just told us. Uh, so in effect, for everybody listening that didn't understand what you said like I did, um, should people be hanging their hat on the fact that they can become younger by injecting themselves or transfusing the blood of young people? No, I don't agree with this at, at all. Um, the science really isn't there. It's not provable. What you have to go back to is the sap of the body, which are hormones. So, you know, what studies been done and people have heard about human growth hormone. But the mm -hmm. problem is when you use a synthetic human growth hormone, it's very dangerous and cause cancer. So what we need to do is be able to work with our own and stimulate our own natural human growth hormone. And by doing that, then this is showing effects that he's trying to get. So human growth hormone uh, regulates, I mean, my gosh, would you like to hear? So everything he's trying to achieve, we're actually able to, able to achieve through a peptide hormone which is produced through the pituitary gland. Now, as we're getting older, our bodies start producing less and less HGH. And there's a reason for that. And there's something that we can do to actually create more life-giving hormones. He's well, trying me, to do it. Let me just pause real quick. I want to ask you a question. So sure. with respect to the HGH, um, I guess naturally for, for men, let's say this is testosterone. Um, and then there's these synthetic ones that work the 10 times better. And that's why some guys who take it at the gym, you know, put on all this muscle extremely fast? Am I tracking right so far? Well, no, not really, because actually synthetic testosterone is dangerous. It causes blood clot strokes and heart attacks. It causes the blood to become thicker. Whereas if we can get our body to start producing its own right, natural but I'm testosterone. Saying, I'm saying what, what you're talking about with HGH, I'm likening that to testosterone, like well, in a sense, natural testosterone. Yeah, in a and sense. then the people that yeah, take the synthetic testosterone, um, it, it may work 10 times faster, but it comes with all the other associated risks. There's always going to be a side effect. And actually HGH, your own natural HGH will actually signal your body to produce your own natural testosterone, which again is a peptide hormone. Got it. So they're not the same. That's what I'm trying to figure out. No, no, they are not. They're totally different. Now, uh, testosterone is a steroidal uh, hormone, whereas HGH is a peptide hormone. Uh-huh. How do those differ? Well, let's get back to the root word of, of uh, well, they have just different functions. It's like a lock and key mechanism. So the body, you know, is calculating and creating hormones and, and signaling billions of times a second. But again, we, we get back to the root word. This gentleman right here in Dallas is doing this very eccentric stuff. I can't yeah. imagine. I, first of all, I want to get my opinion on this. I'm a 64-year-old. 
um, okay. health specialist when it comes to peptide and anti-aging. I also am a father of a 12-year-old and the father of a seven-month-old young child, Max. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, having an absolute blast here. But I couldn't imagine. I just find it something I can't put my my uh, brain around to grasp taking plasma from my children to try to make myself younger. I think we have to really look at where he's coming from and what he's trying to accomplish, where the bottom line is. It has really nothing to do with this. He's a vegan, but yet he's taking all kinds of supplements to supplement his diet. He's taking creatine. Well, creatine is a peptide. He's getting up and working out. That's stimulating hormones. That's getting his blood flow, his testosterone going, working out. I understand as a master trainer, his routine between 25 exercises, he's doing high reps. I absolutely get it. But to do the blood and take it from your son, what happens when your son gets uh, older? Are you going to keep going for younger and younger hosts? So I just think there's a a way that I can't really grasp what he's trying to do. I don't understand it because I do understand why we age and why we're aging faster. And it has really nothing to do with this. It has to go back to, let me just give a really quick, simple education of what the word peptide is, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody hears about peptides. So we all say, well, what is a peptide? Well, God, Larson, I don't know. Well, peptide comes from the Greek root word peptos. Peptos means digested. We get peptides from our foods. Now, remember I told you that every cell in the human body has a peptide. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking in the mirror and you say, this is me, it's not really true. It's 37.2 trillion cells working in harmony through peptide and peptide bonding that makes you who you are. Okay? So when we get back to that, we understand. The reason we start aging at a faster rate, and I think we should discuss this, is that when we start getting into our 30s, have you noticed that people start aging faster with more disease? Well, the problem is is our digestive system changes when we start getting to our 30s. Like men start losing their testosterone levels at the age of 29. We're not able to digest our foods and produce the peptide fuel that we did when we were younger men and women. And that is the key to the anti-aging and longevity. Um, you take me, for instance, I've had peptides now, ingestible peptides in my blood now for over 20 years. So 20 years I've taken these peptides. I'm 64. I do 6,000 reps a week. I do crowd my guy. I'm totally active. I'm a father. My brain function is right on target. My testosterone level is 715, which is in the perfect high zone. But I'm not having to do all these certain things because I'm fueling my body with peptides the same amount that I used to get when I was a younger man. I'm 64, my digestive system has changed. So therefore, I have to fuel the body with peptides to give the body the fuel it needs to get these anti-aging effects other than going in here and using blood and plasma from a younger uh, adult, which really there's no proof behind it, what he's Got doing, it. but he's spending Hold on the right dollars. There. We're going to take a quick pause, come back and learn about why peptides, uh, in your opinion, are superior to what this tech mogul is doing with his son's blood. And this guy's spending $2 million a year. Hopefully peptides are cheaper. Folks, don't go anywhere. Uh, We're having a very interesting conversation with Lauriston Crockett, and he's the author of the book Peptides Are Life, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Lauriston Crockett. He's uh, the author of Peptides or Life, president of Genostim Performance Lab, and he's explaining to us why peptides, in his opinion, are superior to what is happening with the story that we're talking about, about blood, the blood of younger people being transfused into older people and being the quote-unquote fountain of youth. But um, Lauriston says that peptides are what you need, uh, and that's really the best form of anti-aging. Lauriston Crockett, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be back with you. So let's uh, continue. So, I know we uh, had a pause there. Uh, tell us why you feel peptides are the way to go. Okay, well, remember, so Brian here in Dallas, Texas, and I live just in Plano, just five minutes north of Dallas, is spending millions of dollars a year with uh, blood plasma transfers from younger hosts right. himself. And so he's trying to create a fountain of youth effect. Okay, still, this is really not the way to do it. Most people can't afford $2 million. So let's get down to what a peptide is. A peptide is a short-chain amino acid. And again, as we discussed, every cell in your body has a peptide. There are 40 peptide hormones in your body, endorphins. Oh my gosh, more powerful than uh, morphine. That's a peptide hormone, human growth hormone, peptide hormone. And you know, so we go on and on. So again, he's trying to get a fountain of youth effect. So let's talk about what peptides do. And then you tell me if you believe is this is what he's trying to actually achieve. So peptides uh, regulate hormones, okay? Signaling molecules um, and regulation of various hormones. Um, including insulin. A lot of people don't understand that insulin is a peptide, yet we have a insulin health issue in this country called diabetes. So we'll move on from there. Cell signaling, peptides act as messengers between cells to get cell-to-cell communication. Immune response. Oh my gosh, everybody's worried about COVID. What we should have been talking about is host defense peptides, the most potent broad-spectrum antibiotic your body makes. You have them on your face right now. If it touches a virus, it can drill into the envelope of a virus and kill it. We need to be boosting our own HDP, host defense peptides. Very easy to look this up. Neurotransmitters right now, we're having issues with Alzheimer's and brain fog. Well, neural growth factors actually help the synapses of the brain fire more effectively, so you get rid of that brain fog, and it helps that memory. Again, we're going back to peptides. Wound healing. Peptides with growth factors play a major role role in our uh, wound healing, skin health, God, TNFA and TNFB, skin growth factors. The skin is the largest organ in the body. It gives you gorgeous, beautiful skin, but it relates back to peptide signaling and uh, in the body. Um, oh, my gosh. So let me Blood ask you, for our listeners who are listening that, that are saying, all right, well, these peptides sound terrific. Is it like one peptide fits all, or do you have to take all these different peptides to make up for each and, you know, to have good skin, to have healthy blood sugar, to fight off this and to fight off that? Well, you used to have to. We've done something different. The Chinese and the Russians have injectable peptides, but they're very limited in their spectrum. We were actually able to create an ingestible peptide with 18 amino acids and 21 naturally occurring growth factors. This growth factors and, and peptides actually work with your endocrine system. Now, I don't want to get way out there again, but your endocrine system is the life force of your body. The hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenaline axis produces hormones. So get past that. Just look at hormones as being the sap and long-distance signalers in the body. This is all made up and created by peptide and peptide signaling. So we made an ingestible. And look, I, for over 20 years, I've been working 
and pet, uh, peptide longevity in dogs and cats. And as a matter of fact, we just won the award in Hong Kong for 2023 as a top product because of peptides. We're able to increase the lifespan of a lab mouse between 10 and 30%. You can find this in my book. Um, this is what peptides are capable of doing. So Brian is here trying to do this with all this eccentric stuff. And these doctors are going to keep taking his money all day long. Or do we go back to the essence of the cell and we go back to peptide and peptide nurturing and feeding to the body, giving it the fuel that it needs to rejuvenate itself. Now that's logical compared to what I'm seeing here is a little bizarre. Right. Now let me just uh, uh, let the audience know. I know that there's a, uh, a book that you've written that's available for people to review and check out. What's the website for anybody that wants to, um, you know, check out the book? Well, you just go to genostem.com. It's G-E-N-O-S-T-I-M.com. And, you know, right now I'm selling the book. It's a five-star book on Amazon. But, you know, tonight we're just going to give it away for free. We want people to be able to go in there and look for different sections. Like, did you know that peptides fight against cancer and tumorous cells? Did you know that peptides wow. help with insulin health issues? It's all in there. Pick out what leads to your life and what's important to you. And I hope the book will speak to you. And then understand that these are affordable peptides that have totally changed my life. And, you know, like we well, said, give I've been them the website one more time because we're down to like 15 seconds and I want to make sure they get a chance oh. to get the book. Okay. Got it. It's genostem.com. It's G E N O S T I M.com. You can find more information about health longevity for you and for your pet family there. Outstanding. Well, Lauriston Crockett, I thank you. I feel like I just got a master's degree in peptide therapy, and, and I know I, I don't know anything about it other than what I just learned, but it sounds terrific, and I thank you for joining us tonight. Rich, thanks for having me. You bet. I'll talk to you again real soon. Godspeed. Folks, we're coming right back. We're going to continue to this discussion, and, of course, we're getting ready for Open Phone America, which starts at the top of the next hour. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. And uh, I wanted to just um, remind you that we're going to be starting Open Phone America in a couple of minutes. If you want to get your calls in early, I recommend that because sometimes people hang on for a little bit and they're not able to get on because they call too late in the program. So definitely do that. But uh, I'm going to share this story that, again, I was referencing. Uh, there's two stories, right? The one about the guy, the tech mogul who's stealing his son. Well, taking his son's plasma to try and stay young. And then, of course, the uh, the original article that I'd read, which was, Can Blood from Young People Slow Aging? And I thought it was just crazy uh, at the time and to, to see that this is happening and it continues to abound where people still think these transfusions are helpful. Just absolute insanity, in my opinion. Uh, and now I know about peptides. I didn't know about those before. Anyway, 
More on that and everything else, including the Microsoft warning about the Chinese hackers in the United States, the debt ceiling and everything else that we've been talking about. So don't go anywhere. Open Phone America starts right now. I'm Rich Valdez. It's America at Night. And the number is 833, the number four, Valdez. that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I want to welcome you to the program. This is our late-night national town hall forum where you get to sound off, you get to be heard, and I want to hear from you. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. Of course, you can chime in online at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media. I see uh, one of our listeners, Sue, who calls in frequently. She um, just tweeted something at me uh, with uh, respect to the story we talked about yesterday with Target putting these tuck-friendly bathing suits on their shelves and now uh, removing them from select stores while the CEO is claiming that this is still a great move. We've got some audio on that. We're going to listen to that in a little bit. Uh, we also have Tina Turner, the legendary entertainer, What's love got to do with it? Uh, Tina Turner has passed away. Uh, may she rest in peace. <clears throat> then, uh, speaking of entertainers, the rapper Fetty Wap, he's a rapper on the East Coast out of New Jersey. Um, he apparently got arrested for selling drugs and he's been sentenced to six years in jail for selling drugs. We'll get to that as well. And uh, a cop in California was getting beaten on the side of the road Lucky for him, some uh, good Samaritans saw what was going on and decided to come to his aid. And just it's it's shocking to me that this even happens. And of course, Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis has announced his run for president, uh, something that I said, I don't think he's going to do it. And he did. Uh, he's in the latest poll from CNN and SSRS. Um, DeSantis is down 10 points. Trump is up 13 points. And that's uh, as of uh, today. Uh, plus an update on the, I don't know what to call this. I'm going to call him the White House U-Haul attacker. Uh, turns out he's not even a citizen of the United States. Go figure, right? But uh, they have claimed that he is a white supremacist. Again, uh, this is the suspect. Sai Varshith Kandula, 19 years old of Chesterfield, Missouri. He appeared in court uh, earlier and prosecutors told the court that he's not a U.S. citizen, according to NBC News. However, an official with the Department of Justice uh, clarified the to the federal prosecutors opening remarks later in the evening and explained that Kandula holds a green card. Uh, he's just not a citizen, so he's a resident. During the, the brief court hearing, the magistrate judge, Robin Merriweather, ordered Mr. Candela to be held without bail until his next court appearance 
in a few days on May 30th. So that's the, uh, the the current situation there. He's facing charges including assault with a dangerous weapon, reckless operation of a motor vehicle, uh, the threat to kill, kidnap, or inflict bodily harm on a president slash vice president or family, and destruction of federal property as well as trespassing. And um, they they believe that if he is deported, he'll most likely be uh, convicted. I mean, if he's convicted, he'll most likely be deported. Excuse me. So that's that's that case. Now, we are going to get to your calls momentarily. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833-4-VALDEZ. I also want to um, just remind you that, that there is a, a battle, a real battle against gas stoves. Now, some people will tell you, no, that's just the right-wingers and their conspiracies. They don't want to get rid of gas stoves. But I'm going to tell you this. I don't know about you. I really don't. I lived for a couple of years, six or seven years in a small apartment with my dad and we had an electric stove, right? But the majority of my life, minus those years, I've lived somewhere where there was a gas stove. I lived in Brooklyn, New York. Then I moved to a couple of different places within Hudson County on the New Jersey side of the Hudson River. And now I live in Bergen County, New Jersey. Always had a gas stove except for a little while. And I got to tell you, I've never been poisoned by a gas stove. I don't know if you have. I'd love to get your thoughts on it, but I know that I have not. But Congress is holding a hearing on this stuff. <laughs> They're having these these uh, these these conversations, and I just think it's it's just it's crazy that it's happening, in my opinion. But um, that is oversight in Washington, and uh, they continue. Now we have a clip of audio. Let me see here. Let me just scroll back to this. What's the number on that? All right, here we go. This is Congresswoman Chantel Brown, Democrat from Ohio. She's at a hearing on gas stoves today on the regulations uh, that are being proposed. And she says that Republicans want to ban abortion and guns, but we're all talking about gas stoves. Stoves, excuse me. And, And I just think, man, this is crazy. Then we've got Representative Cori Bush. She's also there. We might get to that one as well. Then we've got Cori Bush again. This one's even better. Let's do this one, number 11. This one's terrific. Listen to this. She can only imagine the number of her constituents that are unknowingly being poisoned by their gas stoves. Check this out. I can only imagine the number of my constituents who are unknowingly being poisoned by their gas stove in the state that it is without this proposed rule being in effect, especially young children, our elders, and people with disabilities who are disproportionately at risk for contracting respiratory illnesses. Let's not forget that many of these gas stoves are not owned by the residents of those homes, but often absentee or corporate landlords. That is a thing. We have a number of housing regulations in place to ensure that renters are kept safe. This also applies when we speak about keeping renters safe to the indoor air pollution, how that should be a top concern. This proposed rule is not a ban on gas stoves. Research proves that improving the energy efficiency of gas stoves and switching to electric stoves completely will save lives, will save money, and we'll save our environment. 
look, we're not banning gas stoves. We're just saying that we need to regulate indoor pollution for renters because we're keeping them safe. That's a top concern, right? It's literally what she said. It's not a ban on gas stoves. It's just research showing that improving the efficiency of gas stoves. So you improve the efficiency of gas stoves by switching to electric stoves. She literally just said that. This is not even rhetoric at its best. This woman, I don't know how she got elected. She's really not very bright. Please, please, somebody in Ohio, start. If 10 or 100 of you could just send her a letter and email, call her office and, and beg her. Tell her, listen, we listen to this show at night. We want you to come on. I would love to have her on the program. Please, Corey, please be my guest because we need gas stoves. And I want to talk about gas stoves with you. I don't know if Corey Bush will accept my invitation. Lord knows, good old all out crazy AOC has not accepted my um, invitations for several years now, but I think we've got to get to the bottom of this. I'd like to get your thoughts on it as well, because I think it's, I think it's a little uh, kooky to say the least, but we're going to get to your calls momentarily. We got calls from uh, Montana, from Missouri, from Brooklyn, New York, from the Philippines, from Tennessee and more that are coming in now. We're going to get to those momentarily in the order that we receive them. And we're going to do that right now. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Vladimir Putin's a bad man uh, and has had absolutely zero problems with not getting his way with adherence to the Minsk Accords. That was his initial gripe. But but even before then, he didn't like the color revolution and took Crimea. Well, here he is killing innocents, uh, raping, abducting children, uh, destroying a country. So saying that, well, Vlad's not so bad. Ah, you really want to check the facts on that. All right, that is a clip of General Blaine Holt and I and our conversation from earlier tonight on everything uh, with respect to China and Ukraine and the United States and just all of that stuff. If you missed any portion of that, excellent uh, conversation. I want to remind you to check it out. Go to richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. You could listen to everything about an hour from now. It'll all be available for you to listen to. You could share it. You could download it and um, you could listen to any episode you'd like. And I always recommend subscribe, you know, the little bell, the little check mark. Once you check that off, you get notifications whenever there is a new uh, episode that's available. And again, you just, it notifies you. It's absolutely free. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to pay anything. You just listen to it whenever you feel like it. Anyway, uh, that's the the plug on our conversation from earlier. I want to uh, continue our conversation. Let's go to Pittsburgh, KDKA, check in with Farentino. Farentino, what's up, man? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Yeah. 
You know, Rich, I always thought there's something a little bit wrong with me. Other people told me that too. Like the manager, Denny, she said to me, "There's something wrong with you." I said, "Well, I'm concerned. It took you this long to figure it out. Well, there's something <laughs> wrong with me. I know what's wrong now. It was the gas stove. First 22 years of life, nothing but a gas stove in the house." Unbelievable, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering, you know, how many people are are secretly suffering from gas stoves. And again, I'm making light of this. If if I'm wrong on it, but I mean, I got to tell you, I I can't remember. I grew up, um, you know, with some asthma issues, and that all went away. And it didn't go away when we got rid of gas stoves per se, right? It just went away when I got older. And I, I just don't understand. I mean, I get why they're doing it, but the hyperbole and saying it's not a ban on gas stoves. It's just, it's a lot cleaner and better if we switch to, uh, I mean, it's just basically like the ban they're creating on fossil fuels and, and gas and, and diesel powered engines eventually, right? With all these incentives and they're going to make it uh, so much so that you're going to have to have an electric car and you're not going to be able to get the real deal. And it, it's a shame that they, they do this, but this is where we are, Farentino. Hey, I got a quick joke for you. A guy jumped out of an airplane and he's having trouble with his parachute, and he sees a guy going up, and he says to the guy, you know anything about uh, parachutes? And the guy going up says, no, do you know anything about gas stoves? <laughs> I was wondering why he was going up. <laughs> that explained that. Thanks, Farentino. I appreciate it. That was funny. Uh, let us continue. Let's go to... Uh, Rolla, Missouri, KTTR. Catherine, welcome. Hi. Um, I was watched, I've, I've watched Putin forever. Um, Putin, Vladimir Putin? You, yeah. Mm -hmm. When he put the Olympics in the part of Russia that he did, I got my atlas out and I looked it up where it was and what was around it. And lo and behold, the Crimea was there. Well, if you're going to have the Olympics, you have to have security. So that gave Putin the excuse he needed to investigate topographically any way he wanted to. All of that between the Olympic site and wherever else on the Crimean border. And it, under the guise of security for the Olympics. And then, lo and behold, not long after that, he moved into the Crimea. And then, what, about a year and a half later, two years, he started moving tanks around. And nobody said anything. They just let him stack them up, stack them up. And, it's, you know... He's going into the Ukraine, and when anybody said anything mm -hmm. to him, he says, I'm on Russian soil, the tanks are on Russian soil, but right. nobody ever said they're pointed the wrong way. You make an excellent point. And you know, what's, what's interesting is yeah, he, he does everything, in my opinion, under the guise of something else and, and trying to encroach and step by step, taking another step towards where he wants to be, which is uh, restoring the, the ancient footprint of the Russian Federation, or I think the Russian Empire, as it was once called. And I, I think you're 100% right. And, and we have to always watch out because he says one thing, but he does another. And, and whatever he's doing, you got to watch him. He's uh, he's very shady and he's very slick. 
Catherine in Rolla, Missouri. Thank you. Big shout out to everybody on KTTR. Uh, I want you to listen to Karine Jean-Pierre today saying that, no, 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 there's no debt ceiling crisis at all. There's no issue with Democrats spending. This is just a manufactured crisis. So for starters, this is a manufactured crisis, plain and simple. That's what we're seeing currently. That's what we've been dealing with for the past couple of weeks, a manufactured crisis. And don't take our word for it. Just listen to members of the House Freedom Caucus. They've been very honest about this and are now openly, they're saying the quiet thing out loud, referring to the full faith and credit of the United States as a hostage. The only hostage here is the American people who have to eventually foot the bill for all of this spending. Neil in Bradford, Tennessee, WCMT in Martin. Go right ahead, Neil. Hi, Rich. How are you tonight? Wonderful. Thank you, sir. Good. I've been thinking, Rich, about all the spending that's going on. I haven't seen another administration since LBJ and the Great Society back in the 1960s that spends money as lavishly as the Biden administration does. And I'm a Democrat. I vote for Mr. Biden because I bought the line that he was a moderate. Well, obviously, we got a pig and a poke. And I'm concerned about all this out-of-control spending. And I'm afraid if it continues uninterrupted, Rich, it's going to result in our going the route of the Weimar Republic of Germany following World War I, hyperinflation will ensue, and our currency won't be worth the money the paper is printed on. Neil, let me tell you something. I I believe that we're headed in the direction that you're describing. I don't ever use that word, the H word. I'm afraid of it. I've seen it happen, uh, you know, observing like when it happened in Venezuela. I think we saw it in in, in Greece. Uh, We saw it a few years back. Every time hyperinflation has, um, has occurred, it's been disastrous. And that's something that I honestly, I want to live in the clouds. I really do. And think it can't happen here. Putting my fingers in my ears and going, la, 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 la. I'm not listening to you, Neil and Bradford. We're not getting hyperinflation. But the reality is, man, we're in bad shape. And, and I don't mean to be the doom and gloom guy, right? Because, you know, no, but the jobs are good and the employment numbers. Are, no, no, and no. The devaluation of our currency is a very serious thing, and it's happening, in my opinion, very quickly. And my hope is that we can bounce back. I think, you know, I always say our economy is like a house of cards. You know, it's fragile, but it stands. And as long as we can continue to sell treasury bonds and as long as we can monetize our debt one way or another, we can continue to be in the game. But the reality is it is a fiat currency. And and if if you pull the, the, the rug out from under the house of cards, everything comes crumbling down. And that's what you're talking about. And, and I think this, the game, right, the job of the president and the economic council, whomever is the occupant of the White House, that's the game is to say, how do we make sure this house of cards doesn't fall down? Then you get guys like Trump that want to make it better, but they need time. So I think this is one of the reasons I've always liked Trump. So We'll see what happens there, Neil, but excellent point. Um, I'm glad you said it and not me because I don't like hyperinflation, not one bit. Anyway, uh, we're going to continue with your call straight ahead, 833-4-VALDEZ. Again, thank you, Neil. We're coming right back.
now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. So we've got, um, yesterday we spent a good amount of time talking about Target, right? And then their tuck-friendly bathing suits and all this stuff. And, you know, it was just crazy to me. And people were calling in and we were talking about the things that we see on store shelves. And it was just quite, quite the uh, the conversation, honestly, yesterday. Um, but um, Target's be seemingly becoming the latest company to suffer backlash for their, uh, you know, ABC News is saying their support of Pride Month. I'm going to say for their deliberate targeting of children, because this is a children's section and it's got, you know, things that normally would have like little cupcake graphics on colorful t-shirts or things that say like daddy's little princess or things like that. And now it says trans people will always exist. I mean, the things that you're seeing on these shelves are things I've never seen in my life. And again, you can always make the libertarian argument and say, look, if you don't like it, just don't buy it. Yeah, that's fine. How about if I don't like seeing it on the shelf at eye level where my little kids can see it, and if it offends my sensibilities and, and things like that, like nothing, there's no blender in Target that offends any part of my faith. Uh, but these things might. So the question becomes, do I want to continue shopping at Target? Or as I heard our Westwood One colleague, Chris Plant say, Target. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but uh, the reality here is, no, people don't have to go there. And they don't, and, and it seems like people are, making enough of a big stink where the CEO of Target said, you know what, we're, maybe we're not going to do that. But there was a mom who uh, was viral yesterday on the social media because she went to Target following this stuff. And lo and behold, she gave us a report on everything that she saw on the shelves, plus her commentary. Listen to this. We're at Target right now, and there's a lot of controversy going on about all of the Pride stuff that's coming out with kids' clothes and things like that. So we're going to go to the kids' section, and we're actually going to see if they're putting weird, creepy, uncomfy stuff on children's clothing. Okay, this is the child section. This is literally the kids' section. I'm next to a literal onesie that says whatever the hell that means. We have Glad You Came Out, and I'm so happy that you're queer in the kids' section. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry, but pride and toddler don't belong in the same sentence. So I found an extra small swimsuit in the child section. It says light binding effect on it. And then the bottoms in the kids section, keep in mind, say tuck friendly construction. They're giving it to your kids. If that doesn't give you a reason to boycott Target, I don't know what does, but this is getting out of hand. They're targeting children, whether you like it or not. And it's time that people actually do something about it. Because if they don't, then guess what? That won't just be in Target, it'll be in every store ever. All right, that's a report from a mom that put it right on social media for everybody to hear. The video of this uh, like live, I think she went live on Facebook or Instagram, um, but fascinating, right? To hear the things that she would either, this is a genuine reaction. I don't know her politics. I don't know anything. All I know is that this offended the mama bear in her. Now, this is a ABC news story coming out of New York target, removing some of their items. 
um, after intense backlash from some customers who confronted workers and they're claiming tipped over displays. Now, I, I don't know if that's true. I can't imagine somebody going, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I don't like this. I don't want my kids to see this. Let me tip over the display. <laughs> I could see an indignant parent, but I can't see an indignant parent saying, let me knock over a display. I think they put their hands on their kid's eyes if they want to, or, you know, whatever. Just say, no, we're, we're not into that. Let's, let's go over here. Come on, kid. And we're out of here. But again, maybe I'm being overly generous here. Uh, Target said that uh, customers knocked down pride displays at some stores, angrily approached workers and posted threatening videos. Did that video you heard sound threatening? It didn't sound threatening to me. And it came from right inside a Target store. Uh, but that's what, uh, you know, this article is claiming. Just like every last school shooter uh, was a white supremacist. Um, I just I, I just don't buy all of it. I'm sorry. I can't believe everything I'm told. Um, just because they say so, just like the Biden administration, you know, interesting. There was a story, uh, I was looking at in my list of stories earlier that said that they were looking into, um, investigating baby formula companies for this, uh, conspiracy, right. Of, of not having enough formula. And I thought to myself, this is so reminiscent of the same way they investigate everything, right? Just like they investigated, uh, the, what was that, the, what I wanted to talk about, I'm drawing a blank, but the same way they're doing this with the gas stoves as well, right? With the gas stoves, they decided to say, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to look at gas stoves because this stuff can poison you. And soon I'm pretty sure they're going to say, you know, we're going to look at the manufacturers of these gas stoves. The same way they said, we're going to look at the manufacturers of these guns, the same way they look at the manufacturers of everything, including gas stations, right? Do you remember when gas prices went up? They said, oh, it's price gouging. They've had record profits so because they were making record profits. Uh, Somehow it had to be th their fault, right? That, that because they were making too much money and that's why you were paying more at the pump. Not because people were buying gas because they were afraid, right? There was a run on gas in many ways because people were like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get gas. Gas prices are getting expensive. They may not have it anymore. And, and it's just amazing how they, they uh, flip this on everybody. It just, it really does amaze me. So um, why don't they investigate Target? Anyway, let's uh, continue here. I want to get to your calls. I know we have uh, folks that want to talk on these uh, topics. Uh, let's go to Sue in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, WXDE out of Delaware. Go right ahead. Yeah. So anyway, like I told you yesterday, I, I went into Target today just to take pictures and see what I could see, you know, because I saw the same video that you just played. And um, I didn't see any of the gay pride stuff in the adult clothes section, but where the stuff all was, was in the kids section. So they are. Isn't that interesting, Sue? Because every single article that's out there from the major media says that these were adult garments. And every single video that I saw from a mom and otherwise showed kids clothing, onesies and things of, of that nature, saying like, you know, I'm queer I um, or queer queer day or you're, you're the queerest and the craziest things and all this stuff yeah queer every day they had a calendar there and I, I mean it was unbelievable i sent you some pictures of that i put them on your twitter yeah uh, I, I i retweeted them for everybody to see because i thought my goodness this is absolutely um I don't know. You fill in the blank with whatever adjective you like. It's it's just wrong, in my opinion, that we do this. Have you ever seen somebody 
put a a onesie or a t-shirt for a second grader saying, you know, straight pride. I'm here, you know, with that black and white straight flag. I think people would be up in arms over that too, saying we're indoctrinating our kid with straightness, right? I think that's what they would say. And, and equally, I'm going to say the same thing when we have a whole section for of baby clothes with little kids celebrating this stuff. I mean, I, I just... Uh, I just don't see it as uh, the kid doesn't have a choice just yet uh, to 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 have a political position on these things. I don't think a kid in a onesie can say, you know, that's my free speech. <laughs> I don't think they have this this uh, capacity yet. But again, what do I know? If their parents want the to do that, I, they can. The other, the other thing I wanted to mention was that DeSantis thing today. I don't know if you were in on that, but um, I just happened to get on the radio at that time and they were getting ready to... Uh, to uh, put it on the air, it was supposed to come out at six o'clock, and then they had these glitches and everything, um, because of course you can't beta test something that's going to have five hundred thousand people in the room. But so a lot of the media was, uh, you know, kind of mocking. Oh, you know, they had problems, though they broke the internet. But you know, it was kind of awesome actually, because when I was on that call uh, or on the Twitter, his, you know, the room or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah, it's like being on a big party line. There. It was like 500,000 people on there at one point during that thing. And then when they finally got it sorted out, uh, which was at about 6.30, because apparently they were using Elon Musk's account to begin with, and he has so many followers to begin with, that's why it was crashing. And then they switched to the other guy's account, and everything was smooth as a whistle. And once I was on there at 6.30, and it was actually pretty smooth, there were 300,000 people on that thing. And I got to tell you something. It was very awesome because now I'm a Trump person, Trump all the way. But I got to tell you, it was very invigorating to have the actual candidate live talking to that many people, making his case and explaining who he was and what he was doing. It was pretty powerful stuff, I thought. Oh, cool. Uh, that's the first uh, I'm hearing that. I know a lot of people criticized it, saying that the Santa sounded a little bit down or a little bit tired and that they felt that it would have been better to have a visual where he could uh, articulate his positions on things and they could see his face and see his mouth moving and and have that connection or have hosted a rally and and had, you know, a lot of people. But I get what you're saying, the the power of, of digital. And I think they, they could have probably broadcast it digital, you know, if they actually had put people in a right. room. Um, would have been a, a cool thing too, but yeah, I, I get it, and and I, I don't discount the fact uh, this Microsoft warning that there are hackers from China that are up to no good. So uh, we don't know yeah. if that had anything to do with the Twitter slowdown. But Sue, thank you very much. I appreciate your call. Big shout out to everybody in your neck of the woods. We're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Eight three three four eight two five three three seven. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Today, I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw 
This attack that happened in Patterson, New Jersey, it was on News 12, uh, the local news channel. And um, the craziest thing, these guys get into a fight. I don't know what it's about or why, but the, the one guy that's ne next to a truck, he grabs a shovel. And the next thing you know, you've got four or five guys coming at him. Two of them are holding machetes and, and they're going at it. And then I look in the New York Post and I see an article here that says uh, a fired NYC professor named Shalene Rodriguez says she's actually the victim after she was uh, running around with a machete. <laughs> the Manhattan College arts professor who was fired after threatening a New York Post reporter with a machete and cursing out anti-abortion students claimed uh, that she's the actual victim, arguing that the school had capitulated to racists and misogynists by terminating her. Had nothing to do with the fact that she was uh, wielding a machete. No, of course not. Uh, Shalene Rodriguez, same age as me, 45 years old, was axed from Hunter College on Tuesday, just hours after she f was filmed holding the blade to the veteran reporter's neck while spewing the blade, uh, excuse me, while spewing menacing remarks outside her Bronx apartment. Rodriguez lashed out after the reporter identified himself and knocked on her door for an interview regarding the viral footage of her flipping out on pro-life students at Hunter College back in May. Uh, in a statement that she released, she says that this whole saga, quote, took a toll on her mental health. Professor Rodriguez uh, didn't directly address the entire ordeal in her statement claimed that she'd been inundated with violent, hateful emails and texts and voicemails over the past two weeks as the footage of her encounter with the anti-abortion students started to spread online. So there you go. You, you get mad at people that don't want you to kill children in the womb. So instead, you're willing to threaten the lives of people that are asking you questions about it. Fascinating. Anyway, that's the story on that one. 8334-VALDEZ is the phone number, 8334-VALDEZ. Uh, let's go to Alex in Brooklyn, listening to WFAS Online. Go right ahead, Alex. Hey, Rich, thanks for taking the call. So you were talking about Cori Bush before, and you played her cut where she talks about the people that are getting poisoned by gas stoves, and you also said you want to do an interview with her. So I really think that's a good idea. And when you start off that interview with her, you should play that cut. And then you should ask her, well, Corey, how are you still alive? Haven't you been poisoned by gas stoves that you have in your home? And I can guarantee you that her answer is not going to be, well, I don't have a gas stove in my house. I'm 99.9% .9 sure that she does have a gas stove in her home because these Democrats, they don't believe what they say. They don't care about any of this stuff. It's just they're preaching it to all of us. And they're pushing forward the agenda and these corporations that are giving them money, these 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 different you know electrical companies and this green agenda. I, I would be willing to bet if I had to bet money on whether she has a gas stove or not, I'd bet that she does. So, yeah, but, you know, you're right. Yep. Go ahead. 
No, I also wanted to comment about Ron DeSantis, but but what what did you want to say about this first? Well, I was just going to say, I famously remember her saying that, uh, you know, we've got to defund the police, defund the police. And then when they looked at uh, her expenses, they found that she'd spent $70,000 on armed security, private security. Uh, so, and because she said it's very dangerous in my district. And I thought, why would you well, vote to defund the police right. <laughs> and then need armed security? And it, it, so it would make sense for she her to say that, that, that she for probably has a, uh, yeah, a gas stove um, somewhere hidden there. But Alex, uh, we're out of time on this segment. Uh, hopefully you can give us a call back tomorrow on your DeSantis comment. I appreciate it. Your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And I want to uh, continue with your calls. We're going to go to Michigan, KDKA. Let's go to Kim. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Thank you. You're Um, welcome. Yeah. Speaking of that weird thing that was going on today was it China or Russia that was messing with our um, our uh, internet? So that's China, and the name of the group, uh, their code name is Volt Typhoon. Volt Typhoon, which I think is a pretty cool name for a bunch of bad guys. But yeah, Chinese state-sponsored hackers compromised critical cyber infrastructure in a variety of industries. This is a quote from CNBC. Uh, a little while ago, and this earlier this afternoon, rather. And that's coming from Microsoft saying that they're there. Uh, Volt Typhoon is in their systems and they're they're apparently working to disrupt this. Excuse me, to disrupt critical communications infrastructure between the United States and Asia. So that's where we are. And it's not a good place to be, Kim. No, and they they were talking about that because uh, DeSantis's uh, press conference on Twitter was like 20 minutes late, and they thought it was something to do with that. And then I wanted to bring something up that happened two or three years ago around here. All right, quickly, we're um, only down to like 25 seconds. Oh, okay, not even. It's a weird thing. <laughs> Let's leave it for tomorrow. The music means they're kicking me out. Sorry, Kim. Uh, I got the time wrong. It's the hackers, the Chinese hackers did it again. Uh, Anyway, thank you, America, for uh, being with us again tonight. It was a real blessing to be with you. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, make sure you stay tuned right here. Take care. Good night. God bless. There's a lot of good programming here, but we'll be back, and we're doing it again tomorrow. I'm Rich Valdez. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.